Welcome to the OCR Underground Show. Each week, you get the latest research, training secrets of top coaches, and everything you need to crush your next obstacle course race and finish burpee-free. Here's your host, SGX coach, Mike Diebler. All right, what's up, everyone? This is SGX coach, Mike Diebler, and welcome to episode 91 of the OCR Underground Show. Uh, as always, thank you so much for joining me and making part of this a part of your training routine. Uh, my goal is always pretty simple. I hope to provide some simple yet practical practical tips to help you crush your next OCR. If you want to check out the show notes for today's episode, head on over to ocrunderground.com slash episode dash 91. Check out any links that I mentioned in today's episode. Well, I have to admit, I'm having a little bit of fear of missing out. So we are in April now, and I have yet to run any races. Um, it has been a little bit crazy with uh, the kids' schedule, and I've kind of made it a, a point. I don't want to miss things that I don't have to miss, and I'm, I'm coaching my son's team and just trying to get to both of their sports and other activities, and unfortunately, they keep aligning with a lot of the, the races. So the, uh, the latest SoCal race was this previous weekend, so I was hoping to make it out there, but uh, just couldn't make it happen. So it's it's awesome seeing all the pictures and posts and looks like everybody's having fun getting back into it. So hopefully I'll be out there soon. Uh, the next up on the potential calendar is uh, Big Bear. So I'm really hoping I can make it out there, but we will see what the kids schedule looks like uh, in May. But hopefully I can make it out. I will at least be up there the Friday before the re race uh, teaching the obstacle specialist co uh, specialty course, specialist course, can't talk right now. Um, so uh, if you want to come join me, I will put a link to the, uh, the website for registration as well as my promo code to help you save some money. But um, we are going to go through the uh, most of the course, as much of the course as we can get through and uh, go through all the obstacles. And we're not just gonna get to play on the obstacles, but I am going to give you some of my best strategies for getting through. And my goal is always, I'm not gonna just show you one because you may have a different way that, that is easier for you. So I always try and pick a few different options to get through each obstacle. And just to give you some tips on training, I'm gonna talk more about this later in, in today's episode, but uh, just give you some tips where if maybe you're not quite ready for an obstacle, give you some ideas on how you can improve, you know, whether it's monkey bars, rope climb, spear throw, whatever it might be. I uh, want to give you lots of tips there. So I'm really excited. So I'll at least be up there Friday before the race. Um, love to have you come join me. I think you get just a, an incredible advantage to get out there the day before the course and get to one, just play around on the obstacles and give it a shot before the actual race. Um, but just understanding what the layout's going to be what what you're going to be expected of the next day even picking lanes on on certain obstacles olympus z wall other things where you can just see which path might be the most beneficial for you to choose so you can really take your time and and examine each obstacle so should be a fun event again just go to the show notes and you'll be able to see the registration link as well as the promo code in there uh, and hopefully i'll see you there and potentially i'll hopefully be staying up there to race the next day and not heading back for another game, but we will see what happens there. All right. Uh, in today's episode, uh, I have another great one for you. And up first in the Inside Mike's Mind segment, I want to talk about obstacles. And a question I get a lot is, you know, how do I train for, for a specific obstacle? And I'm going to take a little bit more of a general approach to start. I'll give a few 
uh, specific examples, but I want to go through kind of my three-step process on how do I, I prepare somebody and, and how you can prepare yourself for any obstacle you see out there. So I'm going to go over my three steps to conquering any obstacle there. I'm going to go over some research looking at some uh, collegiate athletes and just looking at stress levels and uh, an injury, and I don't think you're going to be shocked with the results there, but uh, a couple things I want to talk about with stress and its effect on your, your training. And then finally, in my bonus uh, segment, I'm going to talk about a popular uh, topic of nutrient timing, which is a huge topic, but really we're going to focus in on one specific thing, that anabolic window. Do you really need to rush home, get that post-workout shake? Um, is it really a, a 30 to 45 minute window or is that just not true at all? So we're going to dive into some of the details there looking at specifically at post-workout nutrition. But before we get into today's episode, I do want to take a few minutes and thank our sponsors for making this show possible. First is Flex Movement Fitness. Uh, check them out at flexmovement, that's M-V-M-T, fitness.com. We all know the key to functional training is to train movement, not muscles, and they have a couple really unique tools to really help accomplish that plus a lot more and really just give you a lot of variety in your training from mobility to stability to balance core strength power uh, some really fun options that you can do with some of their tools um, i love the flex cords definitely want to check those out as well as the flex disc uh, some really fun uh, exercise variations to spice up your workout routine so again Go to flexmovementfitness.com, and if you use code DEBLER10, D-E-I-B-L-E-R-10, uh, you'll get 10% off your order. I also wanted to talk about FitBar. Check them out at fitbarstrong.com. We know that you need a strong grip to prepare for any obstacle, and it's always fun to have different options, lots of variety in your grip training tool uh, toolbox. And one of the, the biggest things that I... I always recommend to my clients is just having options. A lot of people get caught up when they're trying to switch from one grip to another, and it's always uh, fun to have some different tools to play with, um, affordable grip training tools that you can you can put in your home gym or, or bring to the gym with you. Uh, so lots of different grip tools, uh, pull-up bars, suspension trainers, rigs, a uh, whole bunch more at fitbarstrong.com, uh, and use code OCR Underground and that'll save you 10% off your order there as well. And finally, I want to talk about Venga CBD. Uh, Venga CBD makes CBD products specifically with the endurance athlete in mind, which makes them great for OCR athletes who are hoping to train longer, race harder, and recover faster. Um, if you've been listening at all to things I've been putting out there, you know how much I stress recovery. Um, it's not something we just passively approach and just hope that if we take a little bit of time off, it, it'll our body will adapt and recover. We want to be as active in this process as possible. And there's lots of important pieces to this from sleep to nutrition um, to many other things. And I think adding a, a CBD can be a, a great tool in your toolbox for helping you bounce back to your workouts a little bit faster, whether it's to help improve sleep or dealing with inflammation. Uh, Venga CBD has some great products out there to help you along in this process. So uh, head on over to vengacbd.com slash OCR underground, and you can see the specific deals they have set up for my listeners. Uh, there's a couple really awesome savings uh, if you're a first-time buyer or if you are um, signing up for their subscription packages. There's some great promos on that website there. So vengacbd.com slash OCR underground and check that out. All right, well, let's get into today's episode.
All right, in today's Inside Mike's Mind segment, I'm going to attempt to answer one of the more common questions I get, you know, how do I uh, get through X obstacle? And obviously, this is a, a loaded question. There's lots of answers to it. So like I said in the intro, I want to at least take a generalistic approach to this to let you know, you know, all the things you need to consider, or at least a few things, uh, a few steps in the process that I think you should consider. And typically the process I go through when I'm helping somebody that maybe has never seen an obstacle before, and we're not quite sure where to start. So um, I think the mistake most people make is they they just think if I if I keep practicing it over and over again I'm going to get it and now that might be the case um, I do think you're skipping steps now you might get lucky and you you already have the prerequisites for that obstacle and you you need to just skip to the last step and um, and work on that technique um, but I think it's important that we we really cover all of our bases you know check all of our boxes and make sure. Um, we're going about this the right way because one, we want to get you to complete that obstacle as quickly as we can. And two, we want to stay healthy. And a lot of times people just beat their bodies up, you know, really attempting obstacles that they probably shouldn't be working on, or at least not as much as they, they are. And they tend to overdo it. And that's when, when problems come up. So I have a, a three-step process. Um, in future episodes, I'll try and, you know, maybe give more specific examples. But for today, I'm going to keep it kind of general and, and maybe touch on one or two uh, obstacles that you know to illustrate my point um, so we need to start with step one is regardless of what the obstacle is can you get into the position or positions that you need to in order to complete that obstacle and what I mean by that is and I, let's start with an example so let's use the monkey bars so with the monkey bars you know obviously there's a few different ways to get through it but essentially you're going to be hanging right you're going to be hanging from a bar um, with you know, holding on to your body weight as you traverse across. Now, the, the biggest, you know, if I try and simplify this as much as possible, I look at, okay, what's the position you need to be in? You know, essentially, you need to be able to hang. And I know that might sound obvious, but that's the position that your body needs to get into. Now, before we even talk about, you know, like hanging from a bar, I want to look at what's your shoulder mobility like? Can you even extend your arm over your head? Right? You should be able to have, you know, reach 180 degrees which of your shoulder flexion. So meaning you can get your arm straight up overhead without compensating at all. Most people, when they have tightness in their shoulder, they'll just arch their back. So it kind of looks like they can get their arm over their head when they really can't. They're just sacrificing uh, another part of their body in order to create that movement. So that's the first piece. I need to make sure that you can get in and out of the positions required of the obstacle. So can you get your arm fully overhead? Um, so uh, that's, you know, I think the hanging ones are the big one. If I'm going to be hanging, you know, a dead hang, I need to be able to get in that position without putting excessive wear and tear on, on my shoulder joint, for example. Um, so once we've shown, okay, you have the ability to get in this position, um, we're going to go into step two, which is, do you have the strength requirements in that position, right? So are you, essentially, are you strong enough to get through this obstacle? So before we start talking about technique, again, I know this might sound basic, but a lot of people like to skip over this, right? They just want to go work on monkey bars and they keep falling off after two, you know, one you know, one bar or the second bar. Um, and they might just keep doing that over and over and over again until we, we cover these, right? So I saw, I see that they do have adequate mobility. They can get into the right position. Now let's work on the strength 
of that position. So uh, we need to be able to hang if we're going to talk about our um, our monkey bars. So I think at a minimum, we should look at your ability to dead hang, right? So just hang with your arms extended and your ability to uh, flex hang, your arms bent, because you're going to have a little bit of both most likely. And now depending on the technique, you might have more or less of, of those. Um, but I want to look at both. So I want to see, I think at a bare minimum, you should be able to dead hang for one minute. Um, and that's just something I, I set the bar there and I want to see all my athletes be able to hang for one minute. If, if they go great longer, that's great. And we can always work on, you know, hanging for longer. Um, but this is our minimum. I just want to make sure at least we're, we're hitting that cut point there. Um, so pain-free, they can do that. And if, if you can't, <clears throat> that's what we're going to work on, right? So I'm, I'm looking for the bottleneck basically. So if mobility is your bottleneck, I'm going to put all my effort into that initially, clear that up and, and clean that up as fast as we can, then move on to the next step and see, is it the, the strength in that, that position, right? So if you can't hang for 60 seconds, that's what we're going to work on. Uh, I also want to look at your flex arm hang. I like 30 seconds, um, being able to keep your chin above a bar for 30 seconds. Uh, if, if you can do that, both of those numbers, I think we have pretty good strength in these positions here. Um, the one other piece, you know, if I'm going to stay on the monkey bars, I do have to understand there's a, a lot of core strength that's involved with it, and there is lower body movement involved uh, with the core holding it all together. So being able to do like things like knee raises and marches and, and things like that, um, I want to make sure, again, we can get in and out of these positions and postures and we have the strength to do so. Um, Pull-ups are great. And if you can do, you can do pull-ups um, or chin-ups, obviously that's going to be great because you're training both ends here. We have the flex hang and the dead hang and, you know, combining them all together. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I've seen lots of people who really can't do pull-ups, um, but they can still get through the monkey bars. So I don't necessarily view it as a an essential component that if you want to do monkey bars or rings or whatever it might be, you have to be able to do pull-ups. I think you, you have to be able to hang. And if you can do pull-ups, that's great. Um, and it's only going to strengthen everything else. But um, I'd just like to bring that point if we are going to talk about the, the monkey bars. So I, I like looking at hangs a little bit more than, than pull-ups and chin-ups and things like that. Okay, so then we move on to our last step, which I think most people are pretty familiar with. And this is the, the skill or the technique to get through the obstacle. All right, so we've checked the boxes that you have the elements needed in order to get through the obstacle. Now, you can hang forever and you can have great mobility, but if you don't have a good technique, uh, there's a good chance you still won't be able to make it through the obstacle. I've seen plenty of strong people fail on, on monkey bars um, just because they didn't have a good enough technique to get through it. And, um, you know, or they get through it, but they waste so much energy because they're not efficient at it. And now they have to go right into a rope climb or a carry or another hanging obstacle. And now they can't get through that one because they just wasted too much energy um, getting through that first one. So um, I, I think it's important that we, we find and we, we fine tune that technique that we're going to use for each obstacle. And, you know, obviously it's hard to do it on a podcast and really talk too much technique here um, and you know it depends on the obstacle there's lots of different ways we can get through and, and like I said this is why I'm teaching that course up in Big Bear and, and I'm hopefully I'll teach a few more this this year that we go over these different techniques so I want to make sure you have the the skills needed 
to um, get through that obstacle as well as the mobility and the strength requirements uh, to get there. So if, if I just use the monkey bars, for example, right? The, so some people like doing kind of like old school monkey bars, like you're on the playground and they just kind of swing like a monkey from one arm to the other uh, and get through that way. Not my favorite technique. I, I don't like hanging on one arm because I think a lot can go wrong, especially if the bar is slippery or wet or muddy or anything like that. So um, I would much prefer to do like a two, one, two, one. So now I'm trying to have two hands always on bars, uh, whether it's both on the same bar or one on one and one on the next one. Um, so we just go left arm forward, right arm back, if I'm gonna lead with my left arm, and then I go both arms together, and then left arm forward, both arms together, and I just make my way through that way. Uh, some people like to go sideways, it might be a little bit easier on the shoulder and they feel more comfortable with kind of that alternating grip with your palms facing each other and they'll make it through sideways. So there's lots of different ways we can we can go through it that way. So, um, but that's, that's essentially what we're trying to accomplish here. So step one, can you get in the positions you need to? Step two, do you have the strength in those positions? And step three, do you have the technique to get over it? And then we can apply this to any obstacle, right? I can look at a, a wall jump, for example. So what are the positions you need to be able to get to? Um, well, we need to hang again, right? If I have an eight foot wall, you're probably gonna be hanging pretty good there. So I wanna make sure you have a, a ability to hang, again, 60 seconds. And now the grip's a lot harder because I'm not holding onto a bar. So we might challenge your grip there a little bit. Um, so I need to be able to get those arms overhead. Um, when I'm getting over the wall, I need good hip mobility, right? The more hip mobility I have, the easier it's gonna be able to kick that leg over. Um, looking at the, the strength requirements in those uh, postures. So now, actually, we probably do need to be able to do a pull-up, right? If you're better at pull-ups, it's gonna make wall climbing much, much easier. Um, I'm also gonna be able to, or need to be able to jump, right? So I, I need to look at that lower body power. So if I can jump higher, it's gonna make wall climbing much, much easier. Um, and then uh, climbing over and, and there's different techniques for that too. So, so um, running up the wall or just jumping and pulling yourself up. But same, same principles apply to all of our different obstacles. So I want you to think about the obstacles you struggle with and think, what are the positions I need to be in? Can I get into them? Or do I maybe need to open up my shoulders or my hips a little bit uh, to get in them better? Then step two is I need to get strong in those positions. All right, so can I hang, can I climb, can I, can I do these different positions and do I have adequate strength and endurance in those positions? And then finally, yeah, I need the technique. And this is where it's nice to get out on a course or you know, if you have access to gyms or something in your backyard, you get out there and actually practice the technique and get better and better at it. So hopefully that helps give you some insight on how you can train for some of the obstacles that are giving you a hard time. All right, in today's research review, I'm gonna talk about football players, which I know might sound a little bit weird, but, but hear me out. Uh, this is a study from the Journal of Strength and Conditioning Research that wanted to look at the effects of physical and academic stress on injury and illness in Division I college football players. So what they did was they took the 20-week football season and they divided up into kind of three categories. So they had high physical stress. So this was like their preseason, right? Before school starts, um, these are college athletes. So they typically are there in the summer um, before before the fall. And that's when they're really, you know, beating themselves up and, and pushing hard and, and training really hard. Uh, then they had an area of low academic stress. So probably earlier in the year when there's less exams and finals and things like that. And then they had a time of high academic stress 
which is during the season. So they have um, midterms, finals, exams, things like that. So they want to look at these different um, periods throughout the season and see, was there any correlation of, of when people got hurt and uh, or not? Now, just remember, these are correlations. It's not cause and effect, but it at least gives us some pretty good information. And um, like I said earlier in the intro, I don't think it's shocking at all, but just some of the things they found. Um, the most time, the time that players were most likely to get injured was during high physical stress, which makes sense, right? So when they're training the hardest, that's the most common time you would see an injury, right? And I think all of us can relate to that. You train harder, your risk of injury goes up. That's just how, how it goes. We, we try and manage our risk as best we can, but still things happen. Um, but I think the interesting piece was now once they get through that, that preseason where they're really pushing hard, they're still training, but it's definitely lower because they are now competing and preparing for games and things like that. So the, the training volume and intensity definitely decreases. Um, but what changes throughout the year significantly is that stress level. So um, having more exams, more schoolwork, things like that. So when they compared the low academic stress to the high academic stress, they saw a uh, over twice uh, twice as likely to suffer an injury during those times. And they found that those that played more often um, was even a greater risk of injury. So um, pretty straightforward there, but I just think this is important, an important thing to, to talk about. And that's just how much things outside of your training influence your performance and influence your your injury risk now we're always trying to manage injury risk right that's that's why we train like hopefully we're training to not get hurt <laughs> that's that's the goal you know a lot of times if i'm working with a high level athlete my number one goal is you better not get hurt training right i know you uh, have enough risk training or getting hurt when you're out performing we're going to make sure that we take um, as little risk as possible to get you the most benefit um, so that's really what we want to keep in mind is we're not just going to beat ourselves up to beat ourselves up. We're going to be smart about our programming and we're going to manage risk uh, whenever we can. Um, but I also have to pay attention to other things that are going on in, in my clients' lives, right? So stress is stress, right? There are lots of stress. We will never eliminate stress in our lives. We simply are trying to manage it. Um, really, if you look at what stress is, if, if we look at the body, you know, normally we have balance, right? You're at rest. Your, your heart rate is fairly steady. Your bodily functions are, you know, just doing what they're supposed to do. And, and your body is just kind of going about doing its thing with as little interruption as possible, right? We might hear the term homeostasis, right? Where there's balance. Um, stress is basically anything that disrupts that, right? So there might be small stresses like, oh, I... Um, yeah, left something upstairs. I need to go run up there and grab it real quick. That is a little bit of a stress, right? I, I ran up the stairs. My heart rate was elevated, but most likely it's going to return to normal uh, very quickly, and it's, it wasn't a big deal. Um, or it could be a significant stress, like um, you know there might have been you got in a fight with your significant other, um, you have an assignment due, you messed up at work, wh whatever it might be. Um, these are going to have a little bit more chronic effect, right? Because you dwell on it, and we we have these uh, you know thoughts that are influencing our our physiology, um, and just giving us more anxiety and more stress. So. Why I bring this up with this study, what it's showing is that when these athletes were more stressed with things outside of actual practice and games and things like that, they saw an increase in injury risk. So if our goal is to train the best we can, get stronger, get bigger, get faster, 
yet manage our injury risk, we have to pay attention to these other stressors in our lives. So pay attention to when things just don't feel right. Are you, do you feel run down? Are you not getting enough sleep? Um, whatever it might be, these you might make decisions in your, your training to maybe back off a little bit. I'm still gonna train, but maybe I'm gonna reduce the volume. Um, maybe I haven't taken a, a few days off in a while and this would be a perfect time so I can focus on other areas of my life and not get totally caught up in missing a day of training and freaking out. And I know sometimes that's the hard part. You know, I'll, I'll joke with my clients often and it's my first goal is to get you out of your own way, right? To understand that sometimes you need to chill out and take a break and you're not going to lose anything, right? Because we're going to still be active and move around and then you're going to get back to it when it's appropriate, right? So <clears throat> I, I've talked about, you know, it's monitoring stress is hard and even monitoring um, stress's impact on your body is hard. You know, I've talked about things like HRV, heart rate variability, how that might help us kind of see what's going on. But, you know, really it's, it's very difficult to determine how much stress is impacting you. So a lot of it is going to be off of feel uh, and things like that. So pay attention to that, you know, voice in your head sometimes, you know, sometimes it's telling you because you, you maybe just don't feel like pushing hard and other times it's telling you maybe this isn't the best, best move right now. Let's maybe switch it up and do something else. So always paying attention, trying to figure out what the best, the best workout routine is for you. And, and sometimes uh, there's no perfect plan. You're going to adjust as needed based on how you're doing that day. So just keep that in mind. I can write the best workout program ever, um, but I know my clients, uh, things change from day to day and we adjust as needed. So adjust your program, uh, deal with stress, make sure you're taking time to, to do something to, uh, to de-stress a little bit, breath work, uh, meditation, whatever, you know, if you haven't tried these things before, I, I, I would recommend trying a few things to see what works best for you, getting better quality sleep. All these things are going to help, help you, uh, uh, manage stress a little bit better. Um, so, uh, just keep that in mind, pay attention to those stressors, see how it's impacting your workout. So if, if you feel like you're just, you know, not getting the most out of your workout, you might have to deal with some of these external things first. Um, instead of just trying to push through your workout routines as hard as you can. Okay, and to finish up today's podcast, I wanna talk a little bit about nutrient timing. And this is a pretty complex and difficult subject to, to really sum up in just a few minutes here on this podcast, but I at least wanted to talk about something that probably a lot of you have heard about, this anabolic window. This idea that if you don't consume carbs and proteins immediately post-workout within 30, 45 minutes, that your benefits of, the benefits of that workout are going to be diminished because you can't easily absorb or take in those, those nutrients if you don't get it within that window. And this is, um, you know, there's been some research that kind of shows this, but when you look a little bit deeper at the research, it probably doesn't paint the whole picture. So... The, the short answer is, do you if you do you need to get something in right after your workout? It, it's what it always is. It really depends. Um, most likely, you don't have to. Uh, there is an anabolic window of, of food, if we look at it that way, but it's probably much bigger. It's probably really a barn door, not a window. Uh, so we have most likely several hours. So the idea is that when you um, work out, obviously, you're using energy. You're depleting uh, glycogen stores, you're breaking down muscle and you want to rebuild that all back up as fast as you can so we can, you know, get 
stronger and bigger and, and all that good stuff that we want from our workouts. So the idea is that our, our body is most sensitive to taking in these, these nutrients immediately post-workout. Um, but this is really only true in certain situations. So if we look at it just kind of what most likely a, a typical day is for most people, they're consuming probably, you know, four to six meals per day. Uh, and then somewhere in there, they're getting a workout. If those meals are kind of spread out, you know, breakfast, lunch, dinner, and, and maybe a few snacks in there, you're eating, you know, every probably four to six hours. So if we have a workout somewhere, really anywhere in there, this is not something that we have to work about, uh, worry about, you know, really going crazy with your pre and in and post-workout nutrition is probably a little overkill. If you're consuming good nutritious food throughout the day, whether you eat it before after, or right after your workout probably really doesn't matter because you're, you're going to eat before your workout, you're going to eat after your workout. Did you really need to eat, you know, within 30 minutes beforehand or within 30 minutes afterwards to get the benefit? Um, and if you did do those things, did they impact your workout? Maybe ate too close and now you uh, were, you know, still had food in your stomach and, and just didn't work out as hard because of it. All, all of these might affect you negatively. So we need to keep all this in mind. Uh, what I think most of the current research is, is now showing is that really the most important thing is is the daily intake, right? So what are you getting total throughout the day? Are you getting enough nutrients? Are you getting enough carbs, enough protein, uh, enough high quality sources of those foods um, by the end of the day? If so, then that's probably going to lead to the same exact results, whether you did it immediately after workout or a few afters, uh, a few hours after your workout. I think where it gets a little bit tricky are, um, you know, maybe the how you do the workouts. So I know like um, intermittent fasting is really popular or some people, you know, will work out first thing in the morning without breakfast. Now that changes things a little bit. So if I were to say have my last meal of the day at 7 p.m. and then I'm going to wake up at, you know, 6 a.m. and and do my workout at seven or whatever, 6.30. Uh, you know, so we're, we're talking about going 12 hours with no food at all, right? Because you've been sleeping, you've been fasting, then you do a workout. Now, I think that does change things a little bit because you've gone so long and now you have depleted some energy stores that you probably want to get something in sooner than later. Is it a half hour window? I think that's hard to say, but I think it's just going to help start the process and really just give you energy so you can get through the rest of your day and not feel totally wiped out. Um, so I think that's going to be something pretty beneficial to, you know, eat relatively closer to your, your workout if you're doing it in a fasted state. If you have um, long duration workouts, then that's another thing. You're probably going to be focusing really more on um uh, in-workout nutrition, right? So if, if I'm doing maybe a two-hour run or, or something like that or a pretty long workout and I do want a little bit of energy to supply some of that, that longer duration, um, I think probably it's going to be more beneficial to do it in-workout. But if that's not an option, then hey, right after some of those really long workouts, you may want to get something in. Now again, I think this is just helping to start the process and maybe just helping you get through the day a little bit easier. But again, if you're consuming the right amount of calories, the right amount of nutrients, by the end of the day, it may not make a huge difference. Um, it could be a, a psychological boost. 
and and maybe that's that's good enough reason for you there so these are all things to keep in mind with your um, you know whether you really need to get something pre-workout or post-workout um, I think probably the most likely reason you would need to be consuming food and you really want to pay attention to when it is and getting good carbs and proteins immediately after a workout is if your next session um, or race is going to be less than you know a day away so if you have to compete again in less than 24 hours um, that's that changes things again because if i consume carbohydrates for example immediately post-workout I will absorb them relatively quickly compared to if I took it uh, or consumed them hours after my workout. So that really only makes a difference, though, if I'm going to compete again. How fast you take in carbohydrates and store them as glycogen to replace anything you've used during the workout really doesn't matter unless I'm going to work out again quickly, right? Because if I'm not going to train again for 24, 48 hours later, just eating normally is going to eventually re replenish all of that that used energy. But if I don't have that luxury of time and maybe I'm doing a race again um, in the afternoon or I am going to do a double session once in the morning, once in the afternoon, now that changes things. And that's probably the only time I'll really recommend somebody really focus on getting in that nutrition immediately post-workout because we want to maximize both, both training sessions there. So then I will look at getting both uh, carbohydrates and protein in there. I'm still going to eat normally throughout the day, but I think that's going to be the most beneficial time to really worry about post-workout nutrition. So um, just keep that in mind. And, and if you are, you know, maybe you really like your post-workout shake. I, I do enjoy, you know, doing a workout and then making a smoothie afterwards. I don't rush to do it, but it's just kind of my a habit that I've developed where once I work out, that's kind of my signal that I'm done and I get my my, uh, my smoothie afterwards. And uh, there's nothing wrong with that. So I think that's the important thing. We see the pendulum swing back and forth where it started with, you know, these few studies coming out saying you had to get that, that you know, that shake in immediately after the workout. So everybody was rushing, you know, to get that shake in. Otherwise, they felt like they lost the benefits of the workout. Um, and then now that we see this, you know, new research emerging, we tend to go crazy and go the other way where now you're an idiot if you do that. You don't you don't have to get that post-workout shake, shake or whatever it might be. And I think the important thing to remember is it just it doesn't matter as much, but you can do whatever you like. So I think that's that's really the message that I'm trying to get out there is knowing that you can do either, but don't think just because you don't get that shake in or don't let marketing of a supplement company tell you that you need a, a specific formula of carbohydrates and protein uh, specifically after your workout because it's going to help you get the gains that you want from your workout and that's most likely not true um, you know unless some you know a few rare situations that you really need to get it in because of another session but I think that again uh, just about anything will help with that post post workout so um, don't don't let some of the marketing hype really you know say that you need to do it at a specific time or, or anything like that because uh, most likely it's going to be just normal eating throughout the day and, and obviously you can use supplements right sometimes they just make things easier um, and you can do your post-workout shake if you will like it right after your workout and it, that's just what fits in your schedule better then absolutely go for it and there's nothing wrong with that so just um, 
hopefully that all makes sense. But just just think about the the situations where you may want to pay attention to it. So again, are you doing exercise in a fasted state? Maybe more more beneficial to do a post workout just to kind of start that process and get you get you going throughout the rest of the day, so you don't feel super run down. Um, if you have to go a few hours without eating again, uh, or those super long workouts. Again, I think focusing on consuming during the workout may be beneficial to to really help with the workout and, and start the recovery process. Um, but if you can't, no, no problem. You're just going to get it in a little bit closer to post-workout then. Um, or if we're doing multiple sessions, multiple races in a day, and like I said, I think that's that's kind of where you really want to pay attention to this stuff. Um, so again, that's probably not happening all the time or even every week. Um, but depending on your what you're training for, you may find yourself in that situation, or you might be doing a trifecta weekend or something like that. So these are um, you know perfect opportunities to really focus on that workout nutrition. Otherwise. Just eat normally throughout the day. Really focus on what you're eating and don't get too caught up in the, the concept of nutrient timing because you're probably already doing it just fine and getting the most out of it as you can. So again, focus on the good foods, not so much when you eat them unless you're in one of those special situations. All right, guys, well, that's going to do it for episode 91 of the OCR Underground Show. Remember, you can head on over to the show notes at ocrunderground.com slash episode 91. Check out any links mentioned in the show. If you did find today's episode helpful, please head on over to iTunes or however you might be listening to the podcast. Uh, give it a rating. Subscribe so you don't miss any of uh, our future episodes. If you have any questions uh, or any topics that you'd like me to talk about on the podcast, shoot me an email at mike at ocrunderground.com. I'm happy to uh, help out in any way I can. Uh, don't forget, you know, check out the, the links in the show notes. Uh, if you want to come with me and uh, work on some obstacles at Big Bear, should be a fun event uh, going through all the obstacles and all the different techniques there. So check out the show notes for the link and the promo code. Uh, as always, a big thanks to our sponsors of the show. Make sure you check out vengacbd.com slash OCR underground, flexmovementfitness.com, remember that's movementmvmt, um, and fitbarstrong.com. Uh, check out all their great products and see how they might be able to help you in your OCR training. Uh, that's it for now. Until next time, keep training smarter.